0: The Around the NFL Podcast.
1: Punters are people too. Well, that's an Eisen thing. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, what are, what are we doing at this point? With the Zummy Drops,
2: where are we at? Somebody suggested that one. Sounded good. You like punt to celebrate punters? Uh, no, no, I celebrate kickers. Graver was probably unaware True. of the origin of the... Uh, <laughs> I'm a <laughs> young lad.
1: Okay. Rich is the face of the company, you know. From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it's around the NFL. Dan Hansis, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, Colleen
0: Wolf. What's yes. up,
1: Connie? Hey. Hey, oh, punters are people too. But I think the other thing that's a little jarring, uh, is we just witnessed on Monday night, um, a a waking nightmare for a place kicker.
2: Yeah, right. There was no punting drama over the weekend. Right. So it's
1: like kickers are people, too, is really what this is about. Yeah, I wish I
0: had that drop.
3: In Mm -hmm. essence, the opening drop didn't fit um, the topic of the show, various topics. It was awkward and it got us off to a weird start. Thank you, everyone involved.
1: (laughs) Welcome uh, to everyone listening. Uh, This actually is a show that people enjoy typically. uh, And we're going to try to get this thing back on track here. Us included. Yes. How are you, Colleen?
4: I'm great. I'm great. I got my club arm here, so.
1: Colleen was uh, attacked by a vicious dog over Christmas. Tank,
4: the dog got me, and uh, oh, it's terrible. still healing. And Colleen, but I feel like I have a club now that I can hit people with.
1: And Colleen
3: and I do the same thing as pointedly
4: not
1: asked what became of Tank.
3: I was going to ask.
1: Like
4: yeah, the, the next,
3: don't. the logical next step is Tank is not existing. I don't
4: want to know anything the tank about has been tank's decommissioned.
1: <laughs> perhaps for the safety of others, but also at the same time. It's something you don't want to think about.
4: Nope, mm-mm. we're can't, just happy can't you're know, here. Don't want to know.
1: With us, um, yes, big show today. You know we have a guest, uh, the New York Giants. They are a relevant football team in the middle of January. Sorry about that, Greg. Um, so we're going to talk about them some more. Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News will join us. I to mean, talk my to you. Giants. Ooh.
2: When the chips are down, the only one who believed in him, my Giants. Your Both Giants for last week. How about well, this I, week? I picked them to win, and they didn't. I'm not picking them this week. I think I will. Well, that I was a short journey, Greg. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> He's football. I, th- I think I might cover. Uh, I might take him to cover. You know.
1: All right. So we'll talk to Pat about the Giants <laughs> and where they're at ahead of their big showdown uh, with the Eagles. Man, I got to say. We kind of thread the needle on super wild card weekend because um, no big upsets, but also we got entertaining football for the most part. Um, and what we get out of it now is just a stellar divisional round week, week weekend of matchups. So I like that. That's saucy.
3: Yeah, there was part of me kind of like rooting for the Dolphins to generate total chaos. But then it's like now, three days later, I'm like, I'm glad that they were dismissed and taken care of.
1: Yeah. Right. We don't need Miami going to Kansas City no. in the divisional round.
2: Well, we got a good slate of games until the last one. That was the one that had nothing To it. And there is something strange about the Monday Night Football wild card game. Like, You've just had this like huge, great meal, essentially five monster games over two days, and you're a little. Even though it was like the meal was great, you're a little stuffed for dessert. You know what I like? I, the, you gotta wait around the excitement for it wasn't too. there for what that should have been. Cowboys, Tom Brady, well, like that was yeah. supposed to in be the fairness. Game, even before the game
1: started, and then the game was nothing. There's just been it. two of these now. Last year, the Rams absolutely butchered the Cardinals in a game that was mm-hmm. over by the end of the first quarter, and it was kind of similar in this game we're gonna to get to that game and the news uh that's been happening around the league in the last few days in fact why don't we dive into it let's let's wrap up let's close the door on super wild card weekend i'm a good boy i'm a good corporate boy um with the cowboys and bucks from tampa
0: you think they're pulling them
1: offside maybe maybe Possibly? Nope. they're gonna run a play fourth and four back to throw it out to the left all alone caught at the two and a walk-in touchdown for cd lamb How did you not cover the second-team All-Pro? Great question. Got to ask Todd Bowles about that. Because CeeDee Lamb did what he wanted to do. Dalton Schultz did what he wanted to do. And most of all, Dak Prescott did what he wanted to do. And I thought a career-best performance, five touchdowns, no turnovers, uh, as the Cowboys coast past Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers 31 to 14 and what could be probably not we'll get to it Tom Brady's final game I'm kind of need to have huge conversations about that after last year but it's it is part of the the storyline coming out of this game but of course we start uh Colleen Wolf with the Dallas Cowboys I know you're no Dallas Cowboys fan as a Philly native but you had to be impressed with a team that looked like it was limping into the postseason flipped a switch And kick some butt.
4: What a polar opposite performance from last week against Washington. Like, if the Dallas Cowboys can play this way next week, they'll definitely beat the Niners. They have a great shot to do it. They looked so good. Dak was dealing. This was his best game in so long. The first time in eight games that he didn't have a turnover. The defense was swarming. I mean, him and Dalton Schultz. Like, Dalton Schultz had a great game. He led the team in catches, touchdowns, yards, targets, all of it. But it just seemed like every time he and Dak connected, they were just on a different level. It felt like I, I was like actually saying out loud, wow, oh, my God, did you see this? Or, like, looking back, waiting for the replay, um, not just on the touchdowns, but on some of those completions, too. Really nice completions. So, I mean, it was a slow start for Dallas. Two, three and outs to start the game. And then, finally, everything turned around. And, I mean, even Brett Maher bounced back at the end.
2: Mm. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That fourth down (laughs) touchdown we just heard was Partly, maybe largely because Maher had missed those four extra points and they didn't want to send him you're out right. there for he a field He started vehicle. jogging
1: on the field and then uh, Zaddy was like, no, 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 no. We're gonna have to stack the bells out here. Any Were day. you surprised
4: that it waited? They waited so long to just go for two or to go they for didn't. it instead, like instead of continually sending him out there to miss kicks. Like I don't, I I was trying to decide if you're the head coach, do you when you're up that big, do you just keep sending him out there to break it? Like I think to, that's to I think it would have been different if it him? was
2: a tie game. I, I agree with yeah. that. I agree with that. It 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 was tough, and I think he's thinking about next week. This is the guy who's played great all season, Brett Maher. And when you're up that much, you can afford to be like, well, it's one point we'll we'll see. Like we shouldn't be as surprised how one sided this was. I had the Cowboys winning because like they were a team that over the course of the season scored 20 more touchdowns than their opponent. Whereas the, the Buccaneers were like scored 10 less touchdowns than their opponent. The Buccaneers were a bad team all year, but I was on the fence of who's going to win this game. I think most people were, and you see Dak at his best, and it's just like... I said this a while ago, he reminds me of Tom Brady more than any of the young generation quarterbacks, although Dak Prescott at this point is the oldest quarterback left in the playoffs by a few years. Patrick Mahomes is Weird. next. Weird. It is crazy. Wow. Because oh he's going to win before the snap and he's going to adjust to what you're doing before the snap if he gets a little confused early in the game like he was. Like, mm-hmm. he's going to figure it out. He's just smarter than most quarterbacks in terms of being able to make decisions and decide what's going to happen. And like Tom Brady, if you give him time... Like, he's just going to carve you up. And the Bucks never had a pass rush this year. Uh, they didn't have an offensive line in this game. So both of their lines were just pathetic. And... Dak Prescott was out there, like, uh, cooking pizzas back there. On one of those, like, you do a play action on third down with all these fakes in the red zone where you don't expect to, like, have that much time. And he's just chilling back there. Uh, for, I think that was his third touchdown. It's like, if you gave Dak that amount of time, he will kill you every time. He's that good.
3: Yeah, and I think, like, if you... The experience of the Dallas Cowboys, the experience of Dak Prescott and how they're dealt with by us, by everyone. Like, had this happened in week one... We wouldn't be go- going back to that week one game saying, remember that Dak Prescott's best game of all time. It happened at the most critical mass moment it could for Dallas. And where would we be had he fl- had those two three and outs, the game, the way the game started, had that continued? If we he had to- had his
2: week one performance against the Bucks, where mm-hmm. he was terrible. Well, also got injured. So that's right. a different narrative. But I, I just the way that the Cowboys worked
3: their way out of that after last week's implosion, which they were heavily criticized for rightly, I think that Dak Prescott goes into San Francisco, and so does the whole team, with a completely different mindset and so much pressure off their shoulders compared to the way they went into this game. I think it was just like, will Dallas implode? Will Mike McCarthy be blamed? Mm -hmm. Because Mike McCarthy's been blamed for everything other than stuff for Dak. And I just think that for Dallas to go in and absolutely destroy Tampa Bay and to leave Tampa Bay with so many questions. And like I know Tom Brady, we know who he is. He's the best of all time. He looked awful last night. That was one. He was his worst graded PFF performance all season. It looked that way. He looks like someone who doesn't want to get hit. He had 31 incompletions, and for me, it's like, where does he go next? It's like it has to be a perfect situation for Tom Brady because he doesn't raise all the players around him the way he did in previous seasons.
1: Um, yes, I, I think the his interception, which again, this speaks to Tom Brady's greatness. It was his first red zone interception since he's been on the Bucks, and this was the last game of his third season. But yeah, he is a, a, he seems much more vulnerable these days. And I think he's one of those guys and I think it's going to affect his decision. I think he's coming back and we'll, we'll play some sound from Brady in a moment, but um, I think he could still play, but it, he's at the stage now where I think he really does need that great setup around him for things to work. He can't, like Mark said, lift things. And I thought the game kind of turned um, in early in the game after they were going back and forth, three and outs, uh, the the um, Tampa Bay has the ball after Dallas gets their first touchdown. Uh, Marr misses his first P-I-T, uh, PAT, and and they go down the field, 14 plays, 70 yards, and Brady throws a terrible interception. and I don't know. It kind of looked like maybe he was trying to throw it out of bounds, but I don't know. Whatever it was, it was one of his worst passes. You'll see. Cowboys take over. They go 15 plays, 80 yards, and, you know, after a miserable a uh, goal line attempt by Ezekiel Elliott, who I agree, by the way, Greg looks cooked right now. Um, fourth down at the one yard line in a six nothing game that feels like it can go either way. Great naked bootleg call. Dak waltzes into the end zone. And from that point, even after another Mar miss BAT, they had this game under control. So I, I to- I'm totally with you on that too, Mark. Like this flips the whole script for Dallas. They now get to go to San Francisco. Last year, San Francisco came to them in the playoffs and they were mm-hmm. expected to win. Now they're not expected to win and they have some confidence. I think they're going to be a tough out, especially if Dak feeds off this game.
4: I don't like it no I don't, I don't like it at all well at like, least you're not you're not getting me them. real nervous I know so for me best case scenario now I gave you the the unbiased Cowboys take at the you beginning you tried your best yes. <laughs> now for the Eagles to beat the Giants <laughs> and then to beat the Cowboys Ooh, that would be fun to make the Super Bowl and then you know beat Doug Peterson and How, the Jacks. Like,
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll preview, like We'll preview. You definitely gym. need
3: to get revenge
2: on
1: Plotted this <laughs> out. You know, know why, out. Yeah. Do you, know you have an active sandwich prop that the Eagles will not win a playoff game? I don't know what was going on with you in August, but that well, was he the thing. <laughs>
3: that is such, that's such Connie as an Eagles fan, though. I like, know, one of the most pessimistic fans I've Come ever been like, You're covered you can't either way.
2: You could either right. get like a burrito from Tacos Por Favor or the okay. Eagles. Right. I do like that. I love burritos. I I don't That's a sound drop. This doesn't change <laughs> tacos, my feeling please. that translates to tacos, the Cowboys. Please, like the it doesn't change my feeling about the Cowboys moving forward cuz I knew they really? were or I thought they were one of the f- 6 teams or so that could win the Super Bowl this year and they can pl- like they played like a top 5 offense and defense very often this year. Not always at the same time, sometimes at the same time. But, like, their ceiling is as high as any team in the NFL. Can they do that four straight weeks? I don't know. Can they do that against the worst team in the playoffs? Like, they showed that they can. And I think they could do it next week, too. And they might lose that game even if they do it because they're playing a great 49ers team. But it doesn't change to me, like... I know it's the playoffs, and it's massive for them to get over that hump. But the Buccaneers were one of the most consistent teams in the NFL, I thought, this year. the NFL, We say how the NFL is so unpredictable. This was the same team all year. Like, they, they managed to have a knack for winning comeback games against awful teams yeah. and awful quarterbacks in the fourth quarter, or they would have been a 6-11 and 11 team. And so that's what made them more of an 8-9 and nine team. But they were a, a sub-mediocre offense and a defense that could beat up on some bad teams but was pretty mediocre itself when it played the good team. So it doesn't, like... Change I know what you're I saying. It, it, like, it was like good to see this version is, of them. Right. Their upside
1: yeah. is there. That's what we see But Connie and I did the Power Rankings podcast. You'll, you can check that out today. Like, I had them at six going into the wild card round. I have them six now. I still think those big five teams, uh, the two teams in the NFC and the three AFC teams, are ahead of them in terms of the pecking order. But when they, when that version of the Cowboys plays, it's very close. They Look, deserve to be had, in that group. We
3: know, and I, you said that this version of Dallas would destroy, I think you said, the Niners? Or would...
4: I didn't say destroy. Like, I think that they could win.
3: Uh, I mean, well, I, I thought you were stronger than that, which, which I like. She said they'd win. She that, said they win. I mean,
4: maybe Let's you're
3: I mean, if Dak <laughs>
1: does this, if he has five touchdowns and a 150 well, passer rating, i right. picture no But to the
3: consistency thing, like the <laughs> yeah. Niners have been, there have been a couple quarters or drives here or there, but they have been as consistent as any team out there, more so than even Philly, who's got a quarterback with a shoulder situation right now. Like I, I don't trust this I'm with you, Greg. I this doesn't change the way I feel about the Cowboys. I love seeing what they did. I thought it answered a lot of questions about Dak Prescott. But do I think that they're gonna this is just they play pristine from here on out, absolutely the not. Niners,
4: the Niners have won 11 straight games. Like, they have been streaking for a very long time at this point. But now I feel like the Cowboys are at their peak. And if they can continue, then they can ride that through the playoffs. They do have a
2: shorter week, too. I really weird. had like more concerns about their defense coming into this game than their offense. So if there's one thing I do feel better about, it's that they dominated the Bucks' offensive line, which really hasn't been that bad this year. And it, you look at the stats and it ends up only being one sack. But that's why Tom Brady looked so bad last night is he doesn't you're right he doesn't want to get hit he freaks out after he holds it for two and a half seconds but it was for good reason they won basically every snap there was very few snaps that the Cowboys defensive line which is what we saw early in the season weren't winning and Leighton Van Esch's return I thought was really big for them he's been great for them I always think of, think of Wes when uh, old LVE is stepping up because mm-hmm. his his career trajectory has been a roller coaster but he's playing played really well this season in his return well Wes helped.
3: adored his rookie season yeah. but then
2: he. He he really.
3: Like, right, him fell and Jalen Smith had point. a had a thing
1: for a while there. Let's let's listen to Tom Brady. So Brady, of course, his contract it was the contract is up um in March. He's a free agent. Uh very interesting to again see what his market will be. The last time this is a, a, a real thing uh, was after his last Patriot season, and he had kind of a lukewarm market and then went to Tampa and was a, a monster in his first two years. His third year, not so much. Uh but first How does Brady play it with the media after the season's over? This is how he ended his press conference. This was interesting uh, in his uh, comments to reporters there.
0: Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be. And thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, uh, all you regulars. And um just very grateful for the respect. And I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank all you right. very much. Appreciate Thanks. it.
1: Let's try to do some translation of athlete spe- speak here, Mark Sessler. Um, I think the only thing, first of all, he gone. Classy gesture. <laughs> uh, one, yes, it seemed like maybe a goodbye to the Tampa reporters. Um, he, The one thing that caught me is when he said, hopefully – and maybe he was going to finish sentence, like, hopefully I'll be back here. But then he stopped himself, purposely kind of leaving things as murky as possible. I
3: well, I think he's definitely gone. Because, first of all, I have no doubts that he essentially got Bruce Arians shoved upstairs. I mean, he he his sticking around was contingent, I think, on Arians leaving. Now you've got Todd Bowles coming off a bad season. Uh, I think Byron which is gone. Like there, there's a lot of changes. I don't think Tom Brady. after I think this, there
2: was a report out there that Leftwich report, is done. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had Scott Reynolds on the show. That it was the reporter who said Leftwich will be. Well, following. and
3: I like. I also heard that there was gossip that they were going to get rid of Leftwich during the season too. At some point when things were going real ugly. I mean, why would gossip, Tom Brady like ever that. come back to this? He wouldn't. I think he's gonna. He's gonna. You're, there's like the Raiders are out there as an mm-hmm. obvious reported concept. I think in a different world, if the, if the Dolphins thought differently about Tua or Tua's health, like the Dolphins kind of fit for Tom Brady, they've courted him before. It's a Shanahan type system. But the idea that he'd go to the Niners, who have two quarterbacks on rookie deals, and and I'm not even sure he's even better than Brock Purdy right now, to be honest. I know it's a small sample size. It's like I don't
2: see that happening. I'm not sure there's a big market for Laser Tom Brady. threw that out there though, and that was telling. I, I think it
4: depends too <laughs> where Sean Payton lands, like where he might go.
2: True. Ooh. True. True. Interesting. Cute. Yeah. Sean Payton and Tom Brady to Houston. How about that? <laughs> uh, with, I, the, with the <laughs> Patriots, it comes, it's like you know
4: what? I'll stay. It's, <laughs> it's
2: actually not quite as crazy no. as like you would think. Vegas makes more sense to me. I thought Brady's reaction though on the field after the game was interesting. You know, he was very generous I would say and like in a good mood to other players on the other team I watched that whole press conference and he it wasn't like the end of the season Brady press conference Mm. he maybe seemed a little relieved there was a a comment from Troy Aikman and Joe Buck who said the people inside the Bucks said over the last three weeks he's kind of been back to being the real Brady like the cloud and the stuff about that's off the field that even more than you guys don't know about has sort of lifted lately and I don't I'm not exactly sure what all that's about, but it almost seemed like he was like, "Okay, this is this is done here, yeah, and maybe yeah. it's not rough the end of the here. world." I've been through some rough times, but
1: uh, let's move on. And we, you know, we don't have to try to dig too deep into like behind the scenes of his life. But he did go through a divorce, and now he is uh, untethered from that standpoint. It would really surprise me uh, to see that the personal life go where it was, and then he steps away and leaves again. Th- I think he's definitely back. I'd be shocked if he was back. But I guess we'll find out. He he made it sound like he was going to take his time before making any announcements. Can I
3: get the taking the time thing? Because it's just then it's suddenly on us to discuss this over and over. Can we just like press a button and everyone goes where they go now? Yeah,
1: I'm fine with that. I I I get it. But
3: just just every find out now, I don't
1: think we need to have have another conversation about this until
2: something comes out from him or his camp that's like a moratorium
4: on Brady substantial. Unlike
2: Derek Carr, where there's going to be updates because he can and likely will be traded, maybe even before the Super Bowl, kind of like, who is that? Kirk Cousins? Alex Smith, rather, uh, a few years ago, five years ago now. Uh, There's nothing to update with Brady. He's a free agent and he can't be franchise tagged. Can I say, attempt
3: to stir excitement in me about where Derek Carr goes. I don't care.
1: (laughs) All right. Um,
3: what? Like it's just like it's like fill in the blank <laughs> average mezzanine level quarterback going to I new mean, team. I like, love you your might, mezzanine level, right? You might be talking about him <laughs> so every much. single show when he's the
2: New York Jets quarterback <laughs> right. for the next well, I know. three years. I'm kind of
3: hoping not for Dan that happens too, because I don't right. think it's the solution everyone but makes it's it out funny. to me,
1: I think he would be good for the Jets, but I, I don't know, know why we're talking, know. Derek right right know now, we're talking about dark Carr right now. Talking about Tom Brady, uh, and we'll <laughs> we'll hit the break by talking about Dak Prescott who ended the night at a .79 EPA per dropback. That is expected points added uh, per play. That would be good for the 11th best playoff game since 2000.
2: Wow. That makes sense. I mean, that was about as close to a perfect game as it could get. That was from Benjamin Solak.
1: Uh, via RBS.
2: Do you know, like some nerd had to go back
3: and do the expected like EPA business? Um, are you call a nerd? EPA? Well, no, but EPA why, all, like because, after the EPA community, because, I'm not at all. Except that they weren't doing right. that in the year 2000. So someone had to go uh, back and mark every, and well, grade all, every single game back through no, history. No, are
2: just, well, EPA is just oh, numbers, smart. so you can just run the numbers. I think True True Media does it. Oh, uh, like on Cynthia's machine. It's there's no like PFF is grading. There's objectiveness to the you know subjectiveness to that epa is just numbers you just press the button well sounds the you maybe, maybe, it sounds easy to run through
4: we... the greg machine basically. are you
2: by the way are you yeah. unblocked are you unblocked e- by Derek carr
3: i never was blocked
1: oh good well until tonight this can never, never even check never even check what's your we'll situation checking. Oh, you, you guys got, got yeah, david carr and lindsey
2: rhodes took care of that for us
4: yeah so it's still brokered a piece are we still he good? never went back on it though did you check? Oh,
2: I, don't I, just, know. I just went to look at, <laughs> at Derek Carr at Derek Carr, and it said these tweets are protected. Then I realized it's actually Derek Carr, QB, and uh, yeah, he doesn't follow yeah, me, good. but uh, okay. we're safe. Right. We're good. We're, we're good. safe. And I do, I do know guys. that David Carr, he's on Twitter. He, he likes sure likes our tweets sometimes. So I I do try to keep that in mind if I'm gonna. Fire I, I saw anything him in the hallway, and he said Carr hi family. to me, and I said hi to yeah, David
3: back. I'm not. Sh- I think he is. He aware of
1: these comments that you've made in this
3: episode. I, I hope I, that he would understand that the his
2: role is perilous. And if he's hoping that no one ever critiques his brother, who's a pro quarterback, <laughs> a little- you'd hope that he understands his brother is a mezzanine level quarterback according to Mark Sessler.
3: Well, I, don't I have think a show he, coming like, up with like, him next would,
4: week. I could let him know. Yeah,
2: let him know, please. Let's <laughs> uh, let's just let's keep let's keep this
0: afloat. Uh, let's take a break and we will hit the news. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired. All right, welcome back. Uh, We got the
1: final wild card game out of the way. Uh, Here is the schedule, by the way. Saturday, Jacksonville Jaguars at Chiefs, 4.30. Uh, Giants at Eagles, 8.15 on Saturday night. Sunday, Bengals at Bills, 3 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And uh, the nightcap of divisional round weekend, the best round of uh playoffs in the NFL. Cowboys at Niners, six thirty PM Eastern. Hamana Hamana. Hamana Hamana.
2: So you watch the Eagles in the hotel? Or are you gonna go to like a Buffalo bar?
4: I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. I think Kyle is gonna you be out, play it out there. You yeah. gotta go to
2: a Buffalo bar, I think.
4: I I don't know anyone in Buffalo. Oh,
3: you will by the time that night ends.
4: I'm just gonna go to I'm just gonna post up at Anchor Bar, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but are you gonna be decked out in Philly gear, an no, Eagles gear? How do you play yeah. that? They don't, they don't mind there.
2: What do they yeah, care they, about the
1: Eagles? There's no cross pollination. All right, let's do some news.
3: <laughs> oh my God! You've got to be kidding me! I've never seen anything
5: like it. Why are we kicking it?
0: Why are we kicking it?
5: <laughs> what is going? He <laughs> can't oh. believe it. Talk about a buzzkill. No
1: one's ever missed three field, three extra points in a row. That's kind <laughs> of guy at halftime of a playoff game.
3: Gotta
0: be a record. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Payton is so brutal to kickers. <laughs>
1: as Mike Vanderjack could attest to. That's Eli and Payton on the Manning cast last night. And that was after the third Mar miss. Uh, he missed four. Which really was a record for that, that he
2: was the first. He wasn't the first to miss three. He was the first to miss four. I'm
4: so glad he made that. I
1: know. Kick.
2: I, I don't understand. I don't all know how you. to make that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> do, <you, laughs> he, he do would you do? cost some four points if you really
3: want to put it in? Like, perspective. is he their kicker
1: this weekend? Like, are you really gonna roll into the divisional round playoffs against the Niners after that happened? I don't think you can.
4: Oh, do you? You bring in a brand new kicker, think, that feels th- even worse. I honestly think
1: you have to. I, and he, I, I, put out the kicker power rankings last night. Uh, postponed, got it out there. So don't I saw, worry. I saw,
4: I saw. And Mark the came jobs. in
1: tenth uh, because he had a big time year. So Wait, I understand. Wait, before the game or after the game? Mid game. I did note. <laughs> I did note it was based on the regular season only. Okay. You
2: got to say that he was
4: good during the regular yeah, no, season. He was like, great
2: like during if, the season. If regular you're doing an NFL now hit on the kicker power rankings, they're like, "All right, Dan, i hadn't seen that Mar has dropped 18 spots this yeah. week to 28. You don't even have him on, on a team. I
3: would keep him. I mean, his overall body of work. And yeah, you but you what trust happens he when he
1: misses his first kick in the I first just, quarter?
3: I, I think that, like, you know, that was such a Wesism that kickers mentally become so derailed, and we've seen it with so many of them. But you, I don't know what the better option is right now with the guys Harry, out in the second street. second kicker.
1: I know nobody. It's Maybe. weird. I've talked about this before. Like for a position that's so valuable, they never teams never leave themselves any safety net. Uh, there's no backup. No, it's, it's
3: like a, like a, a cornerback that well, kicks in like high school. If they do or tryouts,
2: like the thirty fifth best kicker available, isn't great. But there's like a fifty percent chance he'll be about the same as Maher. But the, but the yips <laughs> are close, uh, right. the
1: yips and it's all sports but the kicker is really um in football obviously the most obvious uh case of yips that's where it comes from. Like when that happens, it, it I mean it was hard to watch. Like yeah. from a human standpoint you yeah. felt so badly for the guy. Well, except for Peyton Manning. And
4: well, Peyton doesn't care. Ruthless. Peyton, he, does he has not no care. heart.
2: Although he cares about the game. I flipped it in the third quarter it, just cuz the game was so bad and they had Dan Campbell on and and I watched that part, like, the third quarter. They're so – like, they're living and dying at 24 nothing about a bad play that the Bucks made. And I'm just like, I love that they're – What else are they
1: going to do? I know. I mean, they're they, getting paid to be into the game. But <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: but, like – I don't doubt that they aren't organically if that's – I yeah. think he, he just seems, like, hurt when, like, a safety makes a big mistake or a quarterback makes a big he mistake. cares. In a way so that, much. like, most announcers are not that into the game. Not that into So
4: it. would you cut him? Would you cut I, uh-huh.
1: I would I would have to – I mean, they know him as well. I would think you would have to take a look at him in practice and see what happens, but it's a, either way,
2: it you is a huge – You keep him on the team, put him on the, like, the inactive list and sign another kicker. It's I've a seen, shame that you can't yeah. like, bring in a kicker day
4: of without letting him know that this has been done behind the scenes. It's a
1: huge roll of the dice. <laughs>
4: either <laughs> way, like that's a either huge way, game are, too.
1: I mean, everything kind of is on the back burner. Jason Peters also got hurt in that game, which is causing their line to be shuffled again. Uh, but the, I think that is the biggest thing that's hanging over this team. Uh, and it's a shame because everything else was beautiful uh, for Dallas in that game. Uh, I right. can all be great. <laughs> you love it. By the way, Eli said <laughs> during the Manning cast that he he promised and he vowed to himself that he would never go back to the terrible city of Philadelphia. His words, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, after he s- retired from football. But he said he will be going to the playoff game and he's expecting a record amount of double birds. Oh, the reception classy,
4: Reception's going to be great for him.
1: Um, I can't wait. All right. The reception for Sean Payton is saucy across the football landscape. The former Saints coach um, is hot and in demand. Uh, Payton was on the herd with Cow- Colin Cowherd. Uh, did I say that right? I and that. and uh, he was setting to meet. Wait, what is it? Colin Coward. Like
3: coward, I don't say do wanna, I don't think do he would even produce it. But they, they put you
1: on that path by calling up the herd. They do,
3: they absolutely do. But it's I don't, it don't it's Colin Coward, basically.
1: You
4: want to do a take yeah.
1: two?
3: The herd with Colin Cowherd.
1: <laughs> That's Did I get it that time? That's fine. <laughs> uh, that uh, anyway, Peyton was said he was going to meet with the Texans, the Broncos, the Panthers. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter said the Broncos interview will take place Tuesday in L.A. The Panthers meeting is set for Friday. And Greggy, um, they completed an interview with Peyton on Monday, and he added Peyton. I don't. He's very open about this
2: in the public that he absolutely would take the Texans' job. I appreciated like him being on and the fact that this is an unprecedented story. But I don't love the idea, and I've seen this that like, oh, he's being so honest, like and so open and transparent. It's like. No, everything he's saying is incredibly calculated Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is holding the Saints over a barrel like he is essentially doing these interviews to send messages to the teams he's talking to, including the Texans. Uh, He mentioned David Tepper by name multiple times and really sounded pretty intrigued by the the Panthers. No, he didn't. Like, if you just listened to that, you would think he liked the (laughs) Panthers' job the best. Stupid. But I also think that might be related to, like, driving the price up because they're the division rival of the Saints. But he also threw out the draft compensation, which is like boxing Mickey Loomis into a corner. And then he's also saying... Uh, that, hey, the price is going to go down a lot next year if I don't pick a team this year in terms of draft compensation. So that's something you got to keep hey, in he's mind. An, he's an analyst now <laughs> as well. So, so he's, it, what he's doing is saying, Mickey, don't F me here. And this Ooh. is a guy that was supposed to be like a, a friend of his and the Saints, and I, I think it's all fascinating. I'm not saying anyone's like right or wrong, but it's it's certainly unprecedented. And I really thought it was funny him talking about the AFC South and like that he likes the Texans job. I think in part because Bill, Bar- Bill Barcells used to like yeah, you take the team at the bottom and mm. then you're the hero when mm-hmm. they go up, and I can be the boss here in Houston. I, I think he also looks at the AFC South and he thinks it's trash.
0: They're in a division that you can at least look at and say, All right, Indy, Tennessee, Jacksonville is nothing but you, you can at least <laughs> right, how do we actually you actually know, you see the smoke coming out of his ears their <laughs> two or three wins that they had this year.
1: The, the gears are he, turning like, oh, I need to pivot out of this point that I was making that the whole division sucks.
4: He stalled out <laughs> twice on that drive.
1: <laughs> That's good. I You know what, Greg? I, I see, and you love this stuff, um, it's all the game within the game. I mean, this he's playing the game. I know, he, but... Wh- he is the... Uh, I don't play chess, but let's say whatever. He's like the kingmaker here. He gets the opportunity to dictate how this plays out. The Saints, they have to be passive and see how it plays out themselves. But it's Peyton, because of uh, his standing in the league, that is going to be able to dictate how how this goes. And, you know, he's he's playing the game and he knows how to play it. He's a savvy guy.
4: He's not going to go somewhere, I don't think, that doesn't have a set quarterback situation or capital, right, to get
2: one. Well, all three of these don't. Yeah, the, I, yeah, he keeps the, saying the quarterback doesn't matter. It's about ownership and the f- structure that we didn't have a quarterback when they got the New Orleans. He I, did talk about like the fact that the Saints and Texans had
3: multiple years where they practiced in the preseason against each other in scrimmage, and he he went out of his way to like compliment like the the Cal McNair family like in, in Houston, which surprised me because I think of that as one of the lower-tiered ownership situations out there. But in terms of getting a quarterback, in terms of having a ton of draft picks for years to come, and a, a roster that has some good young players on it as well, like I kind of think the Texans make more sense than anyone else chasing them. The Broncos make zero sense to me on any level. You're, you're saddled with a quarterback who maybe can't play anymore. I mean, everything we Broncos saw this country, year says is that right. Carolina... Yeah. I guess David Tepper like completely won over Matt Rule, and those two mind melded when they met, and then it went apart. And like D- David Tepper's not been able to get the quarterback
2: he wants, veteran-wise, year after year. I don't. They have no. They have, Where Where's their quarterback coming from? I keep. They keep hearing. Uh, and Sean Payton said so that they'll get like a mid to late round draft pick. So <laughs> it wouldn't be like the number two overall pick. So you go. You go to the Texans. You can take a quarterback number two. And away you go. I think you're completely set in Houston.
1: In other Sean news, Sean McVay, he ain't ready to leave the sidelines in Los Angeles. NFL Network insiders Ian Rapport and Mike Garofalo reported on Friday that McVay intends to return as the Rams coach. After taking a few days to consider his future, uh, the team then announced the news. Uh, McVeigh is uh, figuring out his coaching staff. Uh, but after a 5-12 and 12 season where it looked very much like he was headed out the door, Mark, he instead is coming on back.
3: Yeah, I, I, again, I don't know why we needed to have all the reporting and the drama around it. I mean, it's just how this thing works at this point. Uh, I, I always thought Sean McMaby was not into the concept of a Rams team that was flatlining and needed to rebuild, and I thought maybe Matthew Stafford would have a similar viewpoint. They're both coming back, but there's a lot of work you need to do on the Rams, I think. It starts with... A Bengals-esque offseason rebuilding of your line because what's fixed there? What's different? I mean, you—they're—they're—they're they're, they're top heavy You have no draft picks. I think the future is bleak if you don't find a way to continue to trade for players
2: and mortgage the future even further down the road. I just like what happened in those couple of days because he talked to the media on Monday. You, you said you don't like the the process, but it only is happening because Sean McVay is talking about it. Well, that's you know. so why is right. he? Why does he need right. to tell us all this? But Uh, when he did. But then he they were like, okay, he's gonna go away for two weeks. The next two weeks are crucial. He spoke on Monday, sounded very tired. By Wednesday, we heard it's coming by the end of the week, and it happened on Thursday. So it's like it's not like he got away.
4: He probably just didn't want to hear about it anymore. He already knew his answer, so he wanted to like shut everyone up about it. I guess but he's
2: the only reason we're talking about it. We don't talk about this with any other coach. It's because he's he I think he's an open guy with a lot of people and he just was expressing uh, ambivalence.
1: I I always thought like the story and some of the reporting around the story was always a little bit weird. And that's like uh, and I I took some fire on this uh, in social media. Like when I mentioned that he mentioned the war in Ukraine and his wife, obviously that's a way more serious situation than anything that's going on in the NFL. And I just was a little bit drawn back, taken aback by that being involved and mentioned with the other very normal football things mm-hmm. uh, that he was facing at that time. Um And I, I wondered, I wondered the the sincerity of the entire uh plot line that was unfurling, whether this was something he was really struggling with or whether he was looking for a way out. The fact that he's coming mm. back. Uh, tells me it makes me think, okay, I think maybe he this is a more sincere thing and it was something he struggled with and now and now he's back. So that's kind of my thoughts on it and where I where I've been coming to the the story in general the fact that it ends up right back where he was surprises me. I, have I to say. almost think
4: he's so open and honest, and the fact that he hasn't been in this situation before, while he's been coaching, just on a team that has struggled this much, he's probably getting a totally different line of questioning at this point too. So it's just kind of uncharted territory for him, and probably an area that he's learned from maybe to not be as open Although in the future. <laughs> he was,
2: but he's being open like off the record. It, it's a good. It's mm-hmm. an interesting like capital j jerno question it was like when the primary source is not always like a reliable source like i believe everything that happened the whole time that he that all this was happening in his head because he didn't know and he's just like going through all this and he's speaking about it openly and he Whereas told someone his... like sean payton for instance right. is very calculated. i don't right. think he's being honest so it's like which which do you want i don't really know and then and the part of the story that was <laughs> yes. like hey go
1: <laughs> hey coaching staff like uh go look for other jobs it's cool and then like two days later he's back that's interesting.
4: I mean, maybe he's just whole, trying to fire everyone. Like, little, I don't know. The
3: thing is, there could be seven could coaches, be. Be seven coaches <laughs> going through the same taxing end of year process where the losing and the time and you're probably separated from your family so much. It's unhealthy. Like I did this one article at one time but the coaches that go away for a year and like... Was it a long four? It was a long four. Bring them but back. Like, oh my well, God. You Mark, can you, you are a wordsmith. No, just, just go read that one. How about that? But it all their health <laughs> across the board completely changes. Like they still are with team doctors like... Everything about their physical physical body improves. Like they go away and they watch football from a global bird's eye view. And like Mike McCarthy went through that, you know, epiphany or whatever it was, which right. I didn't buy at the time. But Mike McCarthy, the one Uh-oh. we're getting today, is quickly oh, got like- the
2: PFF subscription or whatever. Well, no, I don't know. It's a like Tom <laughs> Pelissero long form. There on him, should be so. a
4: built-in sabbatical for everyone that works at the NFL. Wait, uh, yes, at that's, every sort of
3: level. What, that's sort of what I'm getting to. <laughs> All right, this know.
1: maybe this is the next Sessler long form. Uh, here's a theory. I'll just throw it out here. I just thought of it. McVeigh's younger; Uh, he's in Colleen's age bracket, firmly in the millennial category. I will take it. Maybe the millennials—you know—that that's part of like. You're more open <laughs> about your feelings. You're a little I think more you out definitely there are. than Bill Parcells was 30 years ago, where you don't share anything about your inner thought process.
2: You just, you know, disappear from one job, reappear a couple of years later. I think maybe feels the- unhealthy. And it, yeah, and then get uh, like trash talked by Mike Westoff when you joined the Around the NFL podcast, like 25 <laughs> yeah, <Barry>. years later. <laughs> We're a
4: generation of uh, open people now. I
1: love that. Things have changed good. on that front. <laughs> yeah. you, yes. Do you have any other big millennial takes you want to share?
4: um well you know what i'll let you prepare for that
1: (laughs) that's gonna be an off-season show connie the millennial uh i also had an i wrote this down i forgot to mention uh picture it on a um like a cloth uh napkin uh, like a fancy restaurant and then in um red lipstick like uh scrawled pigskin
3: gossip with mark Sessler. I mean, I would adore ooh. that segment. I don't know where the lipstick's
1: coming from. I like from, that but on
4: a cocktail napkin. Yeah, I think. Cocktail yeah, nap. that's, yeah that's it. it. That's, okay. it. Okay. That's,
3: it. Right. that's it. <laughs> Next to a cocktail.
4: Just workshopping yeah. it. Because yeah. you
1: mentioned gossip later. Usually yeah. it's more like reports, and you went gossip, and I thought, ooh, there's something
3: there. Uh, it was some chatter that I heard.
1: Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I like in that. In other news, another Sean in the coach ranks. No, his name is Jim. Jim Harbaugh to remain as head coach of the University of Michigan. Uh, two weeks ago, he said he expected to remain with the Wolverines, and now he's well. This is good. Uh is
2: this Eric this what Edholm, happens every year. Yeah, I mean, this does, is just another the well, third version a- of this tedious, you know. <laughs> concept. But I like it that they had to have a big announcement that like said he's staying, which is basically an announcement that like everything he had been saying the last week or two actually was meaningless and lies. But this time. It is for real.
1: Yeah, Eric Edholm does really good stuff for us. He's the lead draft writer for NFL.com, uh, wrote the article on it. And uh, in the lead, he says that he stuck to his word, Harbaugh did, uh, even with a few NFL franchise expressing interest and in prying him away. That wasn't kind of the reporting that we heard out of Charlotte with the Panthers, where it was almost a courtesy interview he got. Uh, however, the 59-year-old was believed to be one of the Broncos' prime candidates for their head coaching job. He also has tied. He had ties to other jobs, including the Colts. But in the end, don't you get the feeling, Greggy? And I I think you do, because I think you already made comments about it. uh, That if a team really wanted Harbaugh, he would be back. Right? Oh,
2: absolutely. He just didn't get a job. He was one of the people in the mix for the Broncos' job. He couldn't close it quickly or anything. I don't think they were giving him any signs that he was like going to get that job. They said, we're going to have a process for another couple of weeks. And like, so he tried to get a job. No one gave him a job. He
4: didn't I wonder want to how, lose out to Sean Payton.
2: No, I wonder how he interviews because he,
3: he, he, I thought he, like, I liked covering him back in the day because he's one of the more bizarre guys on the, up on the podium you'll find. And like these coaching interviews, which we never are privy to, like maybe if he's already got this great high paying job that they want him around for the next decade plus, like, do you, do you ultra prep for that? Or you just roll in saying <laughs> like, I'm Jim Harbaugh?
1: Yeah, and that might yeah. not be enough. And one that's th- been a while. That's been a while since he's been an NFL coach now.
4: The one thing I thought that was kind of interesting about the statement that was released, it was the Michigan president that put it out, saying that Jim shared with me the great news that he's going to remain as the head coach of the Wolverines, blah, blah, blah. This is fantastic news that I have communicated to our athletic director. Oh, good. <laughs> um, Ward Manuel. Yes. And... There are a lot of people who are like, well, wait a second. Why are you breaking the news? Why are you telling the athletic director? Shouldn't the athletic director be in the mix mm. on this? So, I don't know.
2: Around mm. the Big Ten.
1: <laughs> in yeah. other news, uh, offensive coordinators out the door. Uh, Chargers have fired Joe Lombardi. Lombardi, um, listen, heads are going to roll. When you blow a 27 nothing lead in a playoff game, Heads are going to roll, and I think Jim Trotter nailed it in his speculation reporting uh, on Twitter a couple days ago. Everything about this franchise pointed to uh, them keeping Brandon Staley, who's under contract for multiple years, and bringing him back after a 10-win season. Uh, But somebody's got to go, so it is the offensive coordinator, and the same thing happened, and we haven't hit this, so I'll I'll connect these two stories. Uh, The Jets collapsed down the stretch. Ownership didn't want to make a change at head coach. Uh, but somebody's got to go. Someone's got to pay for it. So Mike LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, gets fired. So two OCs at the uh, out the door, and both of those AFC teams looking for one.
3: I, I see them as different situations because I think there's connective tissue with Joe Lombardi de-emphasizing the magic of Justin Herbert all season long. And parts of it's like that this is this wasn't just about this one game. Yet you're right that you got to find a scapegoat for what happened, and they did. Mike LaFleur got saddled with a totally failed draft pick, Joe Flacco, and Ver and Hot and Cold, Mike White. It's like it's a it's a tougher situation. I I'd like to see like we do this with quarterbacks and coaches. Give me Mike LaFleur with
2: Justin Herbert, and I think right. you're getting a different offensive coordinator. The, the Herbert heads uh, would be excited. I'd be excited. They have a stat on PFF called perfectly covered plays, where basically every player in coverage you know does doesn't make a mistake, and the Bucks and the Chargers of all the playoff teams this weekend almost. Doubled every other offense out there, which tracks when when you watch it, when you watch this Chargers offense, they could also use someone that like doesn't, you know, run a 5040 like that is the slowest group of receivers when Mike Williams is not on the field. And even Mike Williams (laughs) is like a burner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead, Kyle. Justin
4: Herbert. It's just this this second season for him. I was listening to your the last show that you guys had. What was that? Was that the recap show? Yeah. And you were talking about Thank the you. Herbert Hive.
1: Thank you. And Delicious. about
4: Justin Herbert. If you were going to take one of those two quarterbacks that were on the field to to move on um, with, you mm. would have taken Trevor Lawrence because he just looked like a more dominant player, a more dominant quarterback. And I feel like we've Special. seen we've seen Justin Herbert take like a step back as numbers regressed as well this season. So if Brandon Staley's not going to go, then obviously the offensive coordinator has to.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of with you guys on LaFleur with the Jets. Maybe you give him Derek Carr or Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson and give him another chance. But I think not that the Washington Post had it right about the head coach, but I think Woody Johnson, their owner, was like, was putting his beak in a little bit and was like, hey, Something's got to change here, and and Sal made the decision. I'm not going to walk the plank. So Mike does my right. buddy. The way
2: Salah talked, it sounded like he didn't make a decision, which is another sign of a dysfunctional organization. Like, you, oh, stop you, trying to <laughs> stop trying to spin it. I mean, you well, there, I already mean, tried I it before, before the end of the, there's the no <laughs> season. There's no spinning. Like, you obviously aren't happy with how like the Jets ownership has handled things. Like, let Salah be a head I'm coach. I'm just saying,
1: uh, you. I think you. I think maybe it's subconscious you want the jets to be dysfunctional still i don't think I mean, right now i think now, it's conscious i don't think it's a uh, dysfunctional
2: organization right now i think the owner making a coach fire a guy but he didn't want to fire but you're speculating that based on yeah based on sala's comments because and just you want it to like, be watch true the league. just like
1: you wanted him to fire the head coach yeah, but do, you, do you think yeah, but, that-
3: and the people
2: covering the jets are all saying the exact
3: same <laughs> thing do you not think though that probably brandon staley was Put into the same position. These coaches are loyal to their assistants, and maybe like, he, he already. Maybe Joe Lombardi, Lombardi, wasn't Lombardi like a, to
2: me was gonna be fired. I think, barring like a Super Bowl. Right? I think that was
3: an appropriate move-on situation. And I'm just not sure that Staley am, came up with the concept and I am himself. I'm not defending Woody
1: Johnson, and I <laughs> uh, for at all. But let's not act like ownership. They own the team. Um, there, I think uh, there are a lot of teams, successful ones too, where they have a voice. I mean, look at Robert Kraft. It doesn't mean it's necessarily uh dysfunctional, let's see what happens.
2: I just I'm trusting Robert Sala's judgment.
1: Oh, you had a conversation with him? What else did you say?
4: Wow! Wow!
2: I just sit back and listen when this happens. <laughs> Does Mike
4: LaFleur end up with you Sean McVay? Yeah, been this mad
2: since I said that like hiring Gates uh, after of Mcagnan right? or whatever was like dysfunctional. The, you could see that, that bounced right off. Nice try, LaFleur and Sean take, McVay. We're have Can you imagine living with
1: me. Over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cardinals hire Titans executive Monty fort mm. as general manager. I think the most notable, notable thing about him is he looks like a cross between Steve Kime and Nick Shook.
4: All right. Let me uh, dial in on this. Anybody else have any other a takes? Young,
2: a young... Uh, Look, you oh can even God, see the headshot Shook with Osenford in the NFL.com kind of like a young Kime when Kime was hired. So he's basically a replacement. Just kind, he's kind of see his hand, uh, hand right now. another mm-hmm. freaking Patriots, you know, offshoot who was in Tennessee for a long time. And that's where he kind of made his name more. But all he talked about was Kraft and Belichick. And it makes you think about Brian Flores maybe as a potential candidate. Mark mm. Sessler. Oh, 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 oh. Tiger chimes. What's up, Osenfort. buddy? I just wanted. to a comment. I don't know if you guys saw this. It just happened pretty recently. One of his first comments in the press conference was, "Ego will not be tolerated in this organization." Is oh, that a Kyler Murray subtweet or what is going on
4: there? Graver, you go organization.
2: Organization. What's or, the not, other way? To what's or, Canada
5: like? Organization. An organization. <laughs> An organization. Yeah, your org. organization to me sounds like I'm organizing my dad. Also,
1: what is the team based out of Jacksonville? The Jaguars. Jaguars.
2: <laughs> I don't get. that I got either. got
4: for that. For a little bit. What I'm is t- I think maybe
2: Jessica's <laughs> accent is having some influence. Is it in a Jessica situation? Uh, no, I would never blame her for anything.
1: Hey, is Jessica <laughs> going to join us at the live show from the Bourbon Room tomorrow night, Wednesday she in Hollywood?
2: She will be there. Yes, yeah, she will. Yeah. How about that? That'll be fun. That's
1: cool. Good for you. I
4: feel uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: Why? <laughs> what makes you feel uncomfortable? I don't know.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Browns. <laughs> Ceci, the Browns are hiring Jim Schwartz as their new defensive coordinator. Jimmy Schwartz, uh, the former uh, Detroit Lions head coach who has also won a ring with Connie's Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. As D.C., he's been successful in his career, and now he replaces Joe Woods, the embattled Joe Woods.
3: I think it's a great hire. Nice. The one thing that kind of would concern me is that you're hiring someone
2: that might be seen more of a head coach than your actual head coach if things go off the rails early next season. Got him. Well, it's nice to connect the current Browns with Mark's favorite iteration of the Browns. Maybe not favorite. The Bill Belichick Browns and Jim Schwartz. Yeah, that's true. There's going to be a lot of wide
4: nine talk Uh in Cleveland.
1: How about a little uh, Belichick Letters? The Mark Zessler long form.
3: Again, it's already been written. You can go You can go read that if, if it's about, still available on right, our website. Is it still available on our website? That would be the question. Mark, you
1: know I'm an ideas man. Yeah. How about the Schwartz letters? The Schwarz I, like, oh, letters. A, a 49 Schwarz's year old man
3: uh, writes letters to a 56 year old football coach. I think that's a little strange. The Schwarz letters.
1: That. Uh, anyway, that, by he the way. Wait,
3: but he would not write me back. And it'd be email. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have, it'd be a whole different thing. We'd be texting to each other. It's and a, the weird thing I about that segment.
4: Story, yeah. You
1: know what the weird se- thing about that segment would be? And that show on our, our network we're launching? That's mm-hmm. also in lipstick on a cocktail napkin.
3: Well, you know, there's a lot to unpack.
1: The martini
4: there. glass is just taken away to reveal. Message.
1: <laughs> All right, and finally, <laughs> the beacon of function functionality, the New England Patriots—they're looking for an of- offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, old Billy O'B, the top target. You like that?
2: I would like that. I thought it was interesting. They like released the statement saying we're trying to keep Gerard Mayo. We're going to have interviews for offensive coordinators. It was a level of transparency and a sign that like. Craft is trying to do some uh, public outreach after noticing some of those empty seats at the end of the you season. You know, Bill
3: Belichick, the only coach he ever hired that he hadn't worked with before because this is Bill O'Brien. You're just playing the hits if you bring back I'm Bill O'Brien. Right. But uh, at least, yeah, right? I don't know what's <laughs> what going on. Um, but Greg Schiano was the only one and he didn't just even make it to the seat season. I was still alive I, there for I my I laptop. I nearly <laughs> fell out of my chair. <laughs> Did not get a lot of sleep last night. The voice in and out. Either. Yeah. Well, the, uh, rain stopped. the rain oh. stopped. It's like it was nice when it was raining in L.A. Dasher hmm. was
4: barking nonstop at like 1230. I could hear that. That was weird.
3: very weird. Yeah. Interesting.
1: There you go. That's what's <laughs> happening in the news. All right. We'll be right back. And then Pat Leonard of the Daily News talks. <laughs> to we'll
0: Be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.
1: Hard driving, fast paced, provocative, up to date. The news you need.
0: But Sunday, it's City Lights, TV Week, two magazines, comics and coupons, gossip and sports. What you
1: need, what you want. The Daily News. Ah, yes. The New York Daily News, New York's hometown paper. And now joining us from the Daily News, it is a man who's covered the New York Giants for seven years now. And it probably hasn't always been the most glorious gig, but it doesn't feel uh, that way anymore. It is Pat Leonard. Uh, Pat, welcome to Around the NFL and uh, welcome to relevant January football in the New York Giants.
5: Dan, thank you. Thank you, fellas, for having me on. It's been a while, as you know, and uh, it's fun to watch competent, winning football and roster construction, frankly, even on the back end. You're looking at them and you're like, wow, not only is this a real NFL team again, but they might be able to build something sustainable down the road. Mm. Yeah,
1: we were talking before uh, we went on live here that... You know, in the ATN era, which um, uh, we're navel-gazers by our nature, um, we started in 2013. Other than, like, some endless Eli Manning, uh, (laughs) is he good, is he bad, will he retire, will he get benched conversation, the Giants have kind of been on the back burner, and as fans are annoyed as well, I'm a Jets fan, so there's always plenty of Jets talk, maybe not as much Giants talk. So here we are now, and after that big win, um, this weekend against the Vikings, you know, it's going to be really interesting, isn't it, Pat, to see how they react now against an Eagles team. The last time we saw them week 15, we don't really count the week 18 game. Come on. Uh, It was 48, 22 (laughs) with Jalen Hurts, as you wrote in your column uh, this week, staying into that game late into the game. Uh, Did that rub the Giants the wrong way? The way the Eagles handled that game at at MetLife?
5: Yeah, they noticed it. They hate the Eagles. And I know I know that rivalries are a well-known thing when we talk about the NFL and division matchups, but this one's nasty. And the Eagles have gotten the better of the Giants in every which way. Like when the Giants beat the Eagles finally, like they've lost 11 of the last 13 in this series. They haven't won at Lincoln Financial Field since 2013, I think. Five field goals from Josh Brown that day, by the way. And um, yeah, exactly. And when they beat them with Joe Judge as head coach, I mean, the amount of, not vitriol, but emotion behind the scenes, just finally getting the Eagles back. Uh, but it obviously hasn't been enough. The Eagles have won a Super Bowl more recently than the, than the Giants, even though they have four. Um, and they have just owned this head to head series. They pants the Giants front office a couple years ago in the draft, uh, tra- trading over them to draft Devonte Smith, who the Giants were eyeing, eyeing there in that draft. Obviously, they end up trading back in Kadarius Tony and a first rounder that becomes Evan Neal. We'll see where that goes. Uh, But just, you know, then you had the Nate Sudfeld coming in and keeping the Giants out of the playoffs. So there is so much on the Giants' minds going into this game from an organizational standpoint, from an ownership standpoint, from a front office standpoint. The players are going to play the game. uh, But when you look at that 48-22 blowout and the fact that Hurts played so deep into it and they were throwing the ball late, running big plays and gashing the Giants' defense. Yeah, they noticed and they'll remember it. I I just wonder how they match up physically with them
2: because like, yeah, you're you're upset that the Eagles are pouring it on, but it's because they got bullied. And that that felt like a bit of a turning point. The Eagles season wasn't quite as pristine after that. And certainly I've come around. I thought the Giants were very lucky for most of the season. And I think they've played their best football the last three or four weeks. But how do you like how do you just think they match up? Physically, because I look at that's where the Eagles, to me,
5: separate themselves up front on the offensive line and the defensive line. No, Greg, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you look at the Vikings, right? Kevin O'Connell did a lot of good things as a coach, but one thing he did to play into the Giants' hands was he didn't run the ball on third and fourth and short. Kept spreading it five wide, and that plays into Wink Martindale's hands. He can scheme up pressures. The Giants were giving up four, eight, 11, seven yards, rushing to Cook on these carries. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles – if the Giants don't stop the run, guess what the, the Eagles are going to do? They're going to keep running the ball and knock them back and they're not going to stop. You know, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, the Giants killer, that matchup for the Giants um, is not in their favor. And I will say this too, after that 48-22 game, I've been covering this team, this is my seventh season. They've been bad for a while, but I have never heard a Giants team admit so readily and honestly after a game that they were clearly inferior to their opponent than mm. after that game. And it was so strange to me at the time, because even though they were just being honest and they were correct, you're, you're looking at the standings and you're saying they could meet that. They're meeting them again in week 18. They could meet them in the playoffs. And here's Daniel Jones saying flat out, this was proof that we're not where we need to be yet. So can the Giants finally and suddenly get to where they need to be to beat that same Eagles team that just demolished them at MetLife Stadium in a month. I mean, it's there's a reason this game is a seven-point spread, even though the Giants obviously put a lot of good football on the field in Minnesota.
3: You know, like Dan and I grew up right around Giants country, watching the Giants. And, and I mean, we go back to like the Bill Parcells days where Giants-Eagles was a legitimate rivalry. And you know how it is when a team um, stinks up the joint for a decade-plus these rivalries, um, you can call them that, <clears throat> but they melt away. And I, I would just ask this because I think this is such a huge moment for Danny Dimes. Like, if he, like, what we saw in the last game and where he, the way he's developed, if he were ever to go and out duel Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, yeah. suddenly everything we think about him and everything that we think and thought about the Giants completely transforms. And I just wonder is like, has this Daniel Jones, do you think, in the last couple seasons been there all along? It's just that Brian Dayball came in and, you know, I don't know what a quarterback whisperer really is. We throw that term around, but is this a Brian Dayball effect or is Daniel Jones finally surrounded by healthy players? He himself is healthy, but I see a different player in the last couple months than in years past, a completely transformed quarterback.
5: Yeah, well said. Uh, I do think it's both. I think the coaching is the biggest change. And certainly I know for a fact that previous staffs or Particularly when Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator, you know, the Giants were coming off really the main goal was to stop turning the ball over for Daniel Jones. And so, combined with what Garrett already is known for offensively, there was a huge focus on protecting Daniel from himself. And so, if you're doing that with a quarterback, you're never going to fully unleash him. And also, whether you're doing it overtly or not, it's going to seep in that you don't have full confidence in his decision making and his ability to push the ball down the field. So I think chicken and the egg there was some of those things, but it kind of breeded a lot of, um, you know, either, even if he was not turning the ball over in games, they were low scoring and there was a low margin for error. I will say this, Dayball and Mike Kafka and Joe Shane, when they came in, they didn't profess a ton of confidence in Daniel Jones coming in. And so even from the inside, they put pressure, I felt, on him to kind of show them. And at the start of the year, if you look at tape of their first couple games and tape of their recent games, this has been an evolution of him earning their trust. And so the other side of it is Daniel's dual threat skills have been there. We know that he can run, but as he made the plays and protected the ball while making them early in the year in targeted spots, Dable and Kafka slowly pushed a little bit more onto his plate, a little bit more onto his plate to the point where you're watching games like that Colts blowout, where Daniel's running ability is the center point of the offense or in Minnesota where it's his running and it's his arm. And let's just face it, guys, forever now, especially since they drafted Barkley, they have been a team that we need to run the ball with Saquon and supplement it with Daniel. But you watch these last two games Jones has played against the Colts and the Vikings. And this is now a quarterback-centric offense that has Saquon Barkley. And that's something I'll be writing about this week and talking to Brian Dable about is to be the, the maximum best offense you can in the NFL, your quarterback has to be your best player. And I think what we've seen recently is the coaching has brought out the best in what was already there with Jones to the point where he is now that. And, you know, the proof
1: uh, was right there in the transaction wire with the Giants entering this season when they declined to pick up the fifth year option on Jones's contract. And now he's obviously taken this big step forward. I'm curious, like what your vibe is around the team, Um, like how much in your mind is riding on what occurs on Saturday night or perhaps beyond uh, for Daniel Jones, or do you think this is a situation now where this team is going to roll forward and, and give him a contract and make him their guy going forward? Do you think he's already now shown enough where they're locked in on Jones for
5: as a long-term answer there? I do. I think, uh, I mean, he mm-hmm. definitely, even let's say a month or two prior, already had earned that he was going to be their quarterback next year. But of course, that could have meant franchise tag, transition tag, and even entering the playoffs I think it was still trending towards, and it still could be a situation where they start with a tag on Jones to protect the asset, and then they go from there based on how the negotiations go, while probably trying to sign Barkley to a sensible multi-year deal. But I thought that game in Minnesota was a flashpoint. And I'll just tell you this. I mean, You guys know this, but Joe Shane, he comes in and he's got a much more unemotional vantage point. Uh, and removed sense of uh, evaluation for a guy like Daniel Jones compared to Dave Gettleman who was here before and drafted him and this and that. So if it were just Shane making the decision, it might be still more calculated, cut and dry. Giants ownership was already in love with Daniel. I mean, the way that they were pounding their chests and shouting from the rooftops after this Vikings game about Daniel, about their organization being turned around, (laughs) even if you even if you removed all physical checkbooks from the offices of steve Tisch and john mara i think they'd find some way to wire the money to jones's agents and get it done i don't i'm working right now on what the deal will look like because going into the vikings game i talked to some smart people around the league who um, are very plugged into this not only jones's conversations but also quarterback market and value and they felt that if a long-term deal happened it might look something like a three year, $100 million deal with anywhere from 60 to 75 million guaranteed. So that would be like 33 and a half a year, but that's still below like the 35 million of Kirk Cousins. You look at what Jones just put on the field against the Vikings. Is he not worth more than Kyler Murray? Is he not worth more uh, up to the... Is he not worth up to the... Yes, he's not
2: worth more than Kyler Murray to answer your question. (laughs) That's my answer. Who has more playoff wins?
5: I think those comp- <laughs> exactly. I think those comps will be talked about behind closed doors though, though Greg, uh I, I can't say I'm just I telling completely you, like, disagree I with your the, answer. I think to <laughs> the
2: average owner the average person paying this money, he is worth a lot less because you have 4 years uh, of play. Now, every quarterback ends up getting paid, so I think he'll get paid and his value is so much more now than it was two months ago. And I think it's worth more right now than anyone else. That's going to be available off se- this off season, which is maybe the most important. Like it's, it's more than Gino. I think it's more than Tom Brady. Like ultimately Um, it's more than the Jimmy G's and everything of the world. So they're going to have to tag him at worst. Does he like, th- does Daniel Jones give you anything kind of behind the scenes? Cause he, he, he just seems like he doesn't want to give like the media or
5: anyone anything. So, Largely he does not um, a year plus ago. So I think it was prior to the 2021 season going into that offseason, I had the same thought you did of, okay, this guy puts up a good front, but who is he really? Because I had had enough conversations with teammates and coaches and family members and people behind the scenes. You know, you're not seeing the real Daniel. There's so much more to him. And I'm saying, well, prove it. And I wanted to go to one of his workouts uh, down in North Carolina and just spend a day with him. And try to get behind the curtain. He suggested, "Why don't we go to dinner when I come back?" I said, "Fine." And we sat down in Hoboken for a few hours at a steakhouse, and I was able to do a story off of that in the in the Daily News. And what Daniel wanted to stress to me at that dinner was, "What did he get by the way? What did he order?" <laughs> <laughs> he he ordered. Uh, he just ordered a New York Strip. He did not, he wasn't big on the sides. I remember, I'll never forget, he said he doesn't like mac and cheese. That always stuck with me. I'm thinking everybody likes mac and cheese. What are you talking I about? Also, give that guy also, a contract? Wait a minute. I've also <laughs> only eaten mac and
3: cheese once in my life. So Daniel Jones and I have something. There's a link between us. Wow. You're, you're a did,
5: uh, yeah. He didn't drink. He didn't drink. I ordered a drink. He didn't. You know, so it kind of put me on the defensive a little bit. That's um, the first
1: time we went out with Greg Rosenthal when he came to the NFL, <laughs> Pat. And uh, it was me, please. Mark, and Greg. We were trying to feel this guy out. And uh, he didn't get a drink either. And it it put us on our heels. We didn't know what what to think (laughs) of it either.
5: (laughs) Ever since. Exactly. You kind of blink a couple times. No, so his message to me, though, that night was I got to know him a little bit better. You know, he likes basketball, um, you know, values his close friends and family. But he wanted to let me know that everything he does is in the best interest of what he thinks helps the team the most. And it was kind of his way of saying. So, in other words, he still didn't fully open up to me. But he was trying to stress to me that, listen, I do everything I do for a reason. So if you think that I'm not helping you or I'm not giving a lot or I don't answer a question maybe the way you would expect or you would like, it's all based on what I think is going to be best for the Giants. And so he's, he's hyper aware of um, the position he is in and how visible he is. And the, you know, the most interesting thing to me that night was he's tall, so people notice him. But not until we were walking out of the restaurant did I hear somebody say, "Oh, there's Daniel Jones." You know, so he was he was able to kind of slip in and out fairly undetected. I think that's going to stop.
1: The Derek Jeter uh, mode of New York media management. Mark, uh, what do you got?
5: Well, I just I wanted to know. Um,
3: you know, our we have had uh, Kayvon Thibodeau on the show a number of times. Um, it got to the point where we thought we had a friendship with him. Um, I'm not sure after our last. Uh, interview with him that we that we would claim that necessarily. Didn't it go so I, well. No, I asked him if um Brian Dayball if he thought, you know, getting to know Brian Dayball, whether he was a, a big spoon or a small spoon in his private life. He didn't want to answer that. I will ask you a Brian Dayball <laughs> question in a different way. What makes him special? Because he feels it feels like this is the the Dayball arrival has changed everything for the Giants. You've gotten to know him better than we have behind the scenes. What makes him unique or special?
5: The players say that Dable lets them all be themselves, and that he lets the captains and the leadership of the locker room kind of police the team, and that they appreciate that versus other places they've been. The caution to that management style is if is it creates some looseness to how you're managing things at times, and so Xavier McKinney goes to you know Cabo and spring break and busts up his hand, um, you know things like that maybe don't happen. If the ship is tighter and and you're um, you're kind of looking over guys' shoulders more, but in the long run, when you've been in a, an environment where guys have the weight of the world on their shoulders and all the conversation is about how the offensive line stinks and the quarterback's on his way out and all this stuff, they really have felt that dayball has been a breath of fresh air. He gives a lot of people a voice. He's collaborative. Like one thing that happened at the end of the Judge Gettleman regime was um you know they did not see eye to eye and judge ended up trying to take everything on himself he basically stopped delegating and so that was something that was obviously a byproduct of poor decisions made all the way up to that but what's happening now is now that Shane and Dable talk to each other and our friends and came from buffalo together there's a lot of you know um uh, alignment i guess is the right word and frankly You asked me about Dable, but this is operating a little bit like a baseball team where, you know, Joe Shane is Theo Epstein and he's sitting with Brian Dable on Friday and Saturday making the game day lineup. Hmm. And so Dable is inclusive in that regard. And Shane deserves credit also for kind of how the coaching staff is deploying the team on game day.
1: Interesting. Uh, All right. So there you go. Pat Leonard, uh, New York Daily News. Check him out. Uh, he also has a podcast, Talking Ball, with Pat Leonard. Uh, look that up wherever you get podcasts. Talking uh, Ball, loved it. And one last thought: I mean, you mentioned uh, the that Daniel Jones had a flashpoint moment uh, against the Vikings, and I didn't know if you were aware of the Around the NFL Flashpoint series, which really has taken off this year. Uh-oh. <laughs> So I don't know if that just seeped into the culture or if you were aware of it. Either way, it was great to hear the word "flashpoint."
5: Can I have Can I have that audio and play it for Daniel? <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. At <laughs> the, ne-
1: the next steak dinner in Hoboken, <laughs> I used to live on 10th and Clinton in Hoboken. Good times. Twenty four year old Zeus. All right, Pat. Thank you very much, buddy. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks,
5: Pat. Your, your thank guys' you. show is awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate
1: Thanks, dude. Thank you. There he goes, Pat Leonard. All right, put him on the list. Gravedigger, mm. the database of, of the the guys we like and the gals we like, and the list of the damned.
3: Yeah, we found mm. our Giants guy.
1: Got a good Giants guy.
4: Love Pat. Pat's great. It was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. <laughs> talking Giants. Ge- what? Wow. I don't know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was that the right. Germans? Or- Again.
1: <laughs> Again, do not even try to get in the door at the Bourbon Room um, in Hollywood Mm-mm. Wednesday night where we're going to be there. And maybe Colleen, too.
4: Yeah. No, wink, I think we, we said that. on Nudge, one nudge. Of the pods.
1: And we know Jessica will be there <laughs> as well. We did say it.
4: Yeah. We yeah. teased yeah. it. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. Good, good,
1: good. Yeah. So make sure you're there if you got tickets and flood the secondary market and see if there is mm-hmm. one. Your daughter doesn't need braces. No, She just should have braces. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction.
3: You need to be able to tier um, children's needs along with your own needs. And I think your need comes uh, first here without
2: any conflict.
1: You only get one one life on this uh, blue marble.
2: It's like, why does everyone's <laughs> teeth have to be so straight? Let's bring back crooked teeth. That's it. Right, like the olden days. Yeah,
1: let's be imperfect. All right, that's it. Uh, Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Connie Fox, the tiny box. The Grave Digger, who will also be in Hollywood. It's your chance to meet Justin Graver.
4: Oh, my God. Heed the call.